You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you by Rock Auto. Huge selection, great prices, easy to navigate, rockauto.com. Uh, there's a massive th- thunderstorm rolling through tonight, and there's no guarantee when it would start and stop, so you might get the fun thunder in the background. I'm just going to give you that uh, COA at the top of the show here, so that is a, a bit of a warning. Today's show, we'll talk about some little bits of news. There's a whole lot to talk about. We're going to talk about a little bit more about draft signings, just because I found it interesting to, to look into that, and we'll just kind of go from there. As always, the show is kind of a bit of a living, breathing thing. And there just wasn't a ton of Indians-related things this week. Yes, they're reporting. Yes, there is, you know, these intra-squad games. I haven't been paying attention, I'll be honest. Uh, I have a hard time getting uh, motivated by intra-squad games. Uh, That's just the way I'm built. Preseason does nothing for me in just about any form, and I don't think there's a whole ton that can be gathered from that type of stuff. So let's get into the news. I didn't realize uh, Rob Kaminsky had left the Indians organization. For those who don't remember Rob Kaminsky... He came over in the Brandon Moss deal, which I loved at the time. I thought Kaminsky was, I think I ranked him the number two or number three prospect when he came into the Indian system. And, I, I mean, I loved Moss. He had had a huge year. I thought he was going to be a perfect addition to the Indians. It didn't work out. I was like, yeah, let's trade Jose Ramirez for him. And then we traded Joey Wendell for him, and I was pretty excited by that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm an idiot, but at least I'm honest about my, my views. Uh, and... I was wrong on the trading of Moss, and I was wrong on the trading of Moss. Both times did not quite go uh, the way I expected. Rob Kaminsky was a New Jersey kid. He was this first-round pick who had, I think it was like one of the best change-ups in the draft. This was back in 2013. I loved the pick when the Cardinals got him at the end of the first round there. And he came out of the gate and looked utterly fantastic. You look at that 2013, I mean, it's 22 innings, but then in 2019 in A-ball... Uh, seven strikeouts per nine, walk per nine under two, and ERA of 188. Next year, he gets up to high A before he gets traded, and he is continuing to do what he has done, and which is, you know, he's not missing a ton of bats, but he's also not walking anyone. And then he gets to Cleveland, and some injury issues start to arise. Uh, doesn't pitch great, only nine innings in Lynchburg, so you can't really judge anything on that. Gets to push up to double A. He's a starter in 2016. And he's not missing enough bats. The walk rate is up. But he's still relatively effective. Just starts running into his body, not holding up. It's essentially what it what it turns into for him. And the lefty, like, they completely change his mechanics. They work on how he's throwing, what he's throwing. Or uh, maybe it was the curveball. I can't remember what that secondary offering was. But basically, his best secondary pitch, they told him to stop using it. And things just never came together for him he was really good out of the bullpen in 2018 for akron and at the beginning of uh, 2019 columbus was a struggle for him and he just it got to the point where he was a a minor league free agent he reported to the cardinals i bring this up because he was announced as part of the cardinal 60 man gives him another potential lefty out of the pen uh in that class if you're curious about it uh 28th pick i want to jump down here uh kaminsky ryan stanick travis demeter jason hirsch and at 32 is aaron judge uh, sean Manea at 34 michael lorenzen and Corey kniebel at uh, 38 and 39 so a lot of value late in that draft uh current indian christian arroyo was 25 so some interesting ones and for as much as we want to 
you know, someone might be like, oh man, the Yankees nailed it. The Yankees with the 26th pick took Eric Jogolo out of Notre Dame, who did not work. Uh, Ian Clark, who they took at the 33rd pick, not so hot as well. Yes, Aaron Judge was a stone-cold steal when he was still on the board at that point in time and has turned into a not really fantastic player for them. But uh, it's always it's the same thing with Mike Trout. It's like it's funny when we give them credit, even though they had another pick beforehand and they did not take that player. But I hope things work out. I uh, got to be around Rob and hear people talking about him and Double A, and he always worked. He wanted to get better. He wanted to find ways to make it work. His body just betrayed him, and hopefully he'll get an opportunity. I'd love to see him in the majors this year. Uh, even the you know the Cardinals do a fantastic job of development and working with pitchers so hopefully they'll figure something out and he can be a lefty for them uh the other bit of news involving the cleveland indians is that uh fran mil reyes cleared so he is with the team he uh he tested negative and they had the two tests and then delano de shields is also tested negative so he is now on his way to camp now once he gets to camp before he can join them uh he has to do one more negative test but it means that we are closer and closer to having everyone who's there so that is that's about the majority of our Indians news. Uh, there's been a few more draft pick signings, which means right now there are only two players in the top 40 that haven't signed, and one is Tanner Burns. He is the highest drafted player to remain unsigned at this point in time. Um, Dax Fulton to Miami is the second highest. He's the 40th overall pick. That's interesting just because Miami has been slow to sign players in general. They have a few guys unsigned. Um, I think there's just 22 total players left unsigned, probably less than that. I'd have to go back. That, that was an older tweet, and I think players have signed. So there might be under 20 players unsigned as of now. So we'll see how it tracks, but it is interesting that the Tanner Burns uh, signing is still not wrapped up and done. I mean, it, it is likely wrapped up and done. It just hasn't been announced yet, which shows that maybe it's not wrapped up and done. So we'll have to see. I did think it was interesting as I looked at the signings list. Uh, and I was such a Clayton Beater guy, and the fact that he only got 1.2 in the in the as a basically because he slid to comp round B. I know there's some concerns, but at, at the same side of things, it's like Nick York was viewed as this like second round talent before Boston jumped all over him, maybe a third round talent, and we all thought this would be a massive underslot signing. They he got 2.7. That's not massively underslot. They only had 900,000 in savings. That's not anywhere near what I thought I, he would get. Like. Carson Tucker got $2 million. Carson Tucker was rated higher than Nick York on every draft board. I don't think I saw any draft board where they're even remotely close. And Tucker got $2 million, and Nick York got $2.7. Uh, the draft record in general when you take a second baseman is not good. Most second basemen were shortstops. So when you take a kid who's already there, uh, it has been just... Uh, probably one of the worst uh the high school second baseman has been maybe the least productive position you can draft in general but to only save nine million dollars was mind-boggling for me with that pick after they went so off board uh you know he was ranked 139 by mlb as i have the signing uh their tracker in front of me right now you could have saved more money bryce jarvis was taken with the next pick i was a big i thought bryce jarvis was one of the top 20 talents in this draft he got 2.65 you could have saved even more money and taken a guy who was uh, what 114 slots higher on MLB. Other guys, I mean, Carson Tucker, I would have rather taken at two million, and then you save yourself even more money uh, with that selection to use on some other picks. Uh, Jared Schuster at 2.2, signed me up with the Braves. Took uh, Bob uh, Bobby Miller also got 2.2 to the Yankees. Austin Wells uh, 2.5. Austin Wells, 
Yeah, he may. We'll see. If this is the big thing with any catcher, if we move towards robotic catchers, you know, to the robo zones, to the things like that, all of a sudden your ability to frame it doesn't matter as much anymore. It's going to take away a lot of value. It's just your ability to be back there and catch and throw and handle a staff. Austin Wells is one of those guys who's a marginal catcher, but if we move to robotic catchers or robotic umpires, we're, uh, the catching position is going to be um, not as demanding. So we could see a lot of players start to transition into that position who we wouldn't normally see there. But Wells uh, is a better hitter in every way than Nick York. Sure, he plays catcher, might have to go to first base instead of second base, but he got less than York. It's kind of mind-boggling to me. I'm still waiting on the burn signing, though, because I need all of that data before I can do my shadow draft. Uh, I think mine will be significantly different this year, just like every other year, just because I was not as high on Carson Tucker. I don't think he's a bad pick by any means, especially in the grand scheme of things. But I'm going to be tempted to take someone like Clayton Beater there and save even more money. might be one of those situations where I have the Indians in the second round taking Cole Wilcox just because I'm going to have such a big uh, stash with the way things are shaping up with uh, just how I've kind of laid out my uh, my shadow draft. But it is uh, going to be something fun to see. But I need those final financials from Burns before I can really sit down and write that out. But I will make sure to alert everyone when that is done. What is never done is our fantastic sponsor, rockauto.com. You want to go to rockauto.com and in the little box where they say, how did you hear about us? You want to type locked on Go ahead, type locked on Indians. Um, the more we promote and push the show, all the better. What's great about Rock Auto? For me, who does not know cars at all, it's so easy to use. I can go there, I can navigate, I can find the pieces or parts I might need, specifically for smaller things, things I can handle. But then you want to keep this site in mind for when you need bigger things. If you have a mechanic you know and trust, you can get your pieces and bring them. I have been at mechanics in the past. Some don't allow that, some do. But it's good to know if your mechanic does, and this is a chance to save you even more money because cars are so expensive and when one piece goes it just it starts you've been there you know what it's like so having this in your back pocket to make sure you are not getting gouged especially if you're at a mechanic you don't know before if it's happened in a place where you don't know you want to go to rockauto.com go on that website and it is a great source just to make sure that you are getting a right price and if you're not use their service okay so I swear I'm almost done talking about draft stuff, just in time for me to start talking about next year's draft. And by the time we get to the end of this season, depending how things go with the Cleveland Indians, it could be very interesting for the the draft because the 2021 draft should be very good. The 2020 draft was really good. And then a lot of players got to go back and they still have leverage, though they're a year, year older. But what we're seeing in general is that uh, because so much talent didn't get taken, next year's draft is going to be even more loaded. And these next few years are just going to be, it's going to take years for these drafts to straighten themselves out, essentially, where the talent starts to thin itself out. Because you're seeing guys who are going to go to junior or smaller colleges that never would have gone there before because no one lost eligibility. So if you weren't drafted, if you weren't the small group of what, like 200 players when you get through the draft and undrafted free agents, not even that, we have about 200 players who left. <laughs> Normally you're talking about thousands. So we have that whole big bottleneck, which I mean, should help a team like the Indians. And again, depending on this year, things could go very well. Things could go very badly. Uh, Steven just had their sale. So I picked up OOTP this year's and I was playing that uh, for a few hours yesterday. 
and I had the Indians in first place, and then all of a sudden, Bieber, Carrasco, and Clevenger all go down with months of injury, and there's just no one to step up uh, and fill that many spots when you were with the Cleveland Indians. They have good depth. Uh, I also just, like I said, my concern has always been, you know, Saval was probably playing at better than we could hope. Same deal with Plesak, same deal with Pletko. Are they going to continue to improve? Are these guys going to be like Clevenger and Bieber where they took steps up and became better than anyone anticipated? Or is this going to be like Jeremy Sowers or Jason David or, um, not Logan Allen, TJ House, wrong lefty, where they had that really good year and then teams got tape and kind of figured them out and they never got back to that, which is very possible. I mean, when you look again at someone like Aaron Saval, uh, what he did in the majors last year was head and shoulders above anything he ever did in the minors and that is always a concern for me when someone has that kind of escalation it's like are they going to continue are we sure they are what we think they are uh we have a i think there's a very good chance that the indians have you know clevenger and bieber those are two potential aces those are two of the top 10 pitchers in baseball carlos carrasco who knows he's a complete wild card and then that group of other guys i I honestly think are a bunch of four fives i'm not sold on anyone as a number three yet we'll have to see i just need more data and that's going to be kind of the the thing with the indians this year because you look at that lineup there are still so many question marks but they have depth and that's what's going to help them during this time with the 60 man even sitting there playing otp last night it was very honest and clear that you know outside of the bullpen which was an issue uh they had so many options so many players you could move into that pitching staff and try out so many guys you know like a nick sandlin who's ready to go uh like a logan allen who's on your 40 man like a scott moss i mean scott moss ended up being one of my starters uh for large parts of the season in the sim i was running so they have all of these guys to try now i'm not sure any of them are high ceiling i'm not sure that outside of like sandlin and um maybe Kyle Nelson, that any of these pitching arms that are kind of up there in that AAA group, the Sam Henkes and the rest of them, are more than just league average. It could be a group that is very average, but having a ton of pitching depth, even if it's average, is something most teams don't have. And that's what's going to help during a long summer with very few breaks where teams are going to be running out of pitchers very quickly. You know, when something comes up or if someone gets sick, it's going to be Uh, Pitching is going to be a premium, and I think that could be the Indians' great advantage. Now, again, it is a weird, janky year, let's be honest. So if the Indians struggle this year, it's going to be very interesting. I never, I didn't get, I got literally zero feedback, side note, on the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks trade idea. Come on, people. I thought it was a good one. Nothing. I didn't get a positive or negative. We'll get back to that. So, you know, outside of the fact that this is probably Lindor's last season in Cleveland in any form, uh, if this season goes awry, are people going to be super upset or are they just going to, you know, there's that possibility to help restock. Yeah, I'd like to see the team do well, but I also don't find myself heavily invested in this season. I still don't find myself overly caring a ton. Maybe once it gets going, I'll have it there and I'll be like ready to watch games uh, and chomping at the bit and hoping the Indians play well. But right now, it's just it's a season that's hard to get motivated for for me as a fan. I you know I, I hear from some who feel that way as well, and we'll have to continue to wait and see. Now, I did want to quickly hop over to Twitter. I did get a comment on there, and I want to make sure that I give credit for that one. Uh, I had accidentally closed the tab, which was rather foolish of me. But uh, Anthony 
Pruszynski at Tony uh, M U O D. Hopefully, I got your name right. You can tell me if I got it wrong. He likes to name the Commodores, History of the Battle of Lake Erie, and Oliver Haz- ha- Oliver Hazard Perry. Uh, mascot can be a caricature of a Commodore. Crowd can uh, have ship flags. Uh, stupid nickname, the flagship. It may work for the the fan area. Yeah, I mean, I guess originally when I heard people talking about the Commodores, I hadn't even thought about the Battle of Lake Erie and Oliver Hazard Perry. Uh, that makes that name have a lot more sense to me. Uh, that makes it with a lot more of that tie-in to that and something that's interesting. And I'm kind of looking at that like, oh, that actually makes a lot more sense than originally. So good call there. Good uh, pointing out the history as a history major. I should have immediately thought about that. I just didn't. I just thought of Commodore. Um, I don't know why. Like, okay, in my mind, the first Commodore I think of is honestly Commodore 64, and then would be Commodore Perry. Uh, so that's that's where my mind goes uh, in that. But I did want to shout that out as his idea. I also think that something we should strongly consider is the Negro League teams. Now, part of the problem is a lot of those names have now been used by other organizations, so they're not there. Uh, when you look at, you know, the Buckeyes just doesn't work. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ohio State's got that, like, locked uh, away and you cannot use that for your uh, emblem anyways they probably have copyrights all over it but when you look at some of the other names um, there was the black titrites and I was trying to find out what a you know I know what titration is in chemistry but I don't know what the black titrites were and I tried to find it and Google was actually not helpful outside of giving me the fact that that was a, a name of an Akron team there was a Bears, and you know there's not a Bears in baseball. Now they say that. Watch me be completely wrong, and I'm forgetting someone because mascots are not my fort. But you know Bears was one, um, and then the other one that stood out was there was the All Stars, or I'm sorry, the Stars and the Tate Stars, which were there for about two and a half to three seasons. And you could do a lot with the Stars and tie that into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And again, if I tie this into video games and and um, such it makes me think of baseball stars which was one of the great first um games in terms of being able to sign free agents and stuff back on the original nintendo but stars you know the reason i like the idea of tying into something with that uh, negro league background is just because cleveland sports history and the progressive nature that i talked about on the previous podcast i think it'd be great to name a team after one of the teams from the negro leagues and when you look at, you know, a lot of teams came and went. And, of course, you know, there's the, the Bingo Longs traveling. All-Stars was the movie based on the book. And, you know, Billy D. Williams is Bingo Long. He's based on Satchel Paige, who played for the Indians. So it's, you know, having the stars allows you to also kind of tie into that bigger story um, as well. And there's a lot of ways that I kind of dig on that name. It's not perfect. Um, there, there's just a lot of ways you could run with it. Though the other problem with that is we still don't have a whole lot of talk, you know, outside of Dan Dabrowski has gone to Nashville and he has set up a group and we could see an expansion of baseball to 32 teams, one of them being the Nashville Stars, which would then take that name away uh, literally within six hours of me tweeting out the idea of the Cleveland Stars. I saw the Nashville thing. So we'll see. I think Nashville would be a good baseball city. I'd like to see some more balanced divisions across baseball. Expansion could be good. And I think nowadays, more than ever, expansion could be really good because it's going to be something that you're adding those extra teams. It's opening up more jobs for players. It's opening up uh, more revenue for the owners. 
And more than that, like you're going to be able to sit there and market every step. They're going to be able to sit there and make so much money off of just the rights to the expansion draft because that's going to be something that fans are going to want to watch. So I'm all for expansion. I hope we do get some more expansion. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes in that group. It never happens quickly, so it's still years off. But the fact that they're starting it now and with owners crying poor, uh, there's no better time to sit there. And, you know, again, when you agree that you're going to cut off a share, go up and add more teams, those new owners are going to have to pay, you know, a billion dollars at least. And then that gets split amongst the owners. So they get a nice little windfall for their money. Expansion is great if you are an owner because you're going to get just a windfall of cash. So we will see what happens. I, I do think expansion's coming. So long and short of it, it's coming. Get ready for it. Cleveland name, it's still a messy minefield. I, you know, for me, it's just Cleveland. I, I don't care about the mascot uh, on the whole. That's just not part of what has ever driven me with, uh, with sports. I've always just been a Cleveland sports fan because that's what I was raised as. Um, I want to thank everyone who listened, rated, and reviewed this week. Uh, it was, again, not the easiest week for me to do a podcast. Um, so thank you all for kindness and everything else during this time. Uh, I hope that we have some interesting baseball to talk about soon. I hope we have a Tanner Burns signing. I hope we have real games and we can get back to a five-day-a-week podcast as we discuss how the Indians are playing and all the intrigue of uh, potential trades and what uh, what's going to happen with this team because it is a team that should be very intriguing this year as we see this season continue to unfold. As always, you are fantastic. I've been Jeff Ellis. And for now, at least, go Tribe!